Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell. And in this episode of Chick Flicks, we're talking about two paranoia-filled horror movies about motherhood. Rosemary's Baby and Hereditary. But first, let's catch up. What's up, Bridget? What's up, Mackenzie? <laughs> what you've been into recently? What are you reading, watching, and listening to that has you, you know, excited for life? <laughs> you know, surprisingly, uh, the series of unfortunate events on netflix okay is it good i watched a few episodes of the first season and i liked it but i forgot that it existed until just now yeah so the final season i think just came out like a month ago or something and you know i had watched the other two seasons kind of as Wait, like, like the final like to... no like no more the last yeah oh, okay yeah um and you know i didn't love them i just like kind of put them in on on the in the yeah. background or whatever and i wasn't too invested in them but then I realized like this season that I was just thinking about it a lot when I wasn't watching it like going about my day and I was like oh I can't wait to get home and keep watching it even though I don't think it's I don't know I (laughs) did you like the books growing up I did but they weren't like my favorite but I did like them a Mm -hmm. lot and but uh, yeah is Allison Williams in it uh the girl that? from girls and get out um yes yeah very straight it. teeth yeah helps you identify she's, her she's beautiful yeah <laughs> yeah i want to give it another shot uh you i mean you don't have to like i said it was like <laughs> it's like not fine real- but for it was fine but for some reason i like it really mm-hmm. resonated with you uh, not even i just <laughs> i the just the most lukewarm recommendation ever <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah that's my weird endorsement of watch it but you don't it's so like it's so like it's somehow so sad but somehow made me so happy there you go (laughs) says a lot (laughs) um i saw if beale street could talk last weekend uh by barry jenkins of moonlight fame i can't believe it didn't get nominated for any oscars Yo, we should do an episode just about how fucked the Oscars are. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. It's coming but, uh, up. Yeah, they're coming up. Uh, I mean, just ridiculous that it, it didn't get a, a Best Picture or Best Director nod or any acting nods other than um, Regina King. Like, terrible. Uh, it was so beautiful, so, like, sumptuous. Um, for some reason, I swear to God, I had read somewhere that it had a happy ending. So up until the last five minutes of the movie, I was like, they're going to, wow, only five minutes left of this movie. Like they're going to turn it around <laughs> and, it, and then it ended. And I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh no. so I mean, I guess it's happy in a sense, but really, really beautiful. And I, um, the a really sweet movie to watch about falling in love and despite all of the like tragedy that happens in it, it is a very like romantic, beautiful movie about love. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And then my other thing that is uh, bringing me great joy this week is, uh, I guess we could make this a recurring segment. What's going on with the uh, Dennis Villeneuve's, uh, do an, ad- do an adaptation. They cast Timothy, Timothee Chalamet on my insistence. I directly yes. influenced that. And, and now Oscar, uh, Isaac is cast as Duke Leto. Um, so my vision board for <laughs> this movie is shaping up perfectly. 
you cast a spell and it's coming into fruition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know the Rebecca Ferguson. She was in the new Mission most Impossible. recent yeah, Mission Impossible. I haven't seen her in anything, so we'll see how she does as Lady Jessica. She was like great in Mission Impossible. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I love her. Yeah, and I saw that before that she was just in like a British soap opera, I think, or something. Well, but. I'm. I'm excited and I'm ready. And I also, um, I was Googling because I was like, oh, what other casting news is going to come out about this movie? They are looking for a non-white actress to play Chani, the love interest of Timotei's. And I was like, good. Thank God. I know. I was <laughs> like, this, I mean, I was, I hope they don't get into like any sort of weird, like the Fremen are like indigenous native people in a cringy way, you know? Yeah. yeah like yeah, Timotei yeah, yeah. goes and like... And this is in, like, in quotes, like, goes native. Uh, like, it'd be weird uh, if they... Yeah. But I hope they handle it well. Although, it kind of is weird. I mean, <laughs> I was I was in, like, a Wikipedia <laughs> rabbit hole about Dune today, and I was like, mm, you know, some of this series is pretty fucked up. Like, when Paul <laughs> is like, look, like, you're my concubine, okay? Like, that's yeah. real love, okay? Who cares about my wife? You'll fuck my wife. You're the real, like, girl for me. The lady I have sex yeah. with on the side. And Lady Jessica Tachani is like, you know, like, who cares? You'll go down in history as his wife. And it's like, none of this is right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Shit. I should reread before it comes out. Same. We should. I mean, it's so far away, but. <laughs> we'll have plenty of time. Yeah. yeah, to read Dune. Okay, so that was our Dune corner. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to call it the sandbox. <laughs> the sandbox, the segment where we talk about Dune. Wow, perfect. Oh my gosh, that's on point branding. Thank you. Okay, let's dive in. So the first movie we're talking about is Rosemary's Baby, or the mother of all horror movies. It was directed by Roman Polanski and released in 1968. The film is a close adaptation of Ira Levin's novel of the same name. It follows a young woman named Rosemary Woodhouse, who is married to an up-and-coming actor and in the midst of making their gorgeous new apartment suitable for a future baby. When Rosemary becomes pregnant, it should be a time of pure domestic bliss. But instead, she feels increasingly paranoid about the behavior of her husband Guy and the overbearing neighbors next door. Are all of them witches, or is Rosemary just an overly hysterical pregnant woman? Guess what? The answer is... The first one. <laughs> <laughs> they are all witches. <laughs> they are all witches. Um, this movie is going to be like really hard to talk about, I think. Um, I rewatched some of it last night, and it is, I, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. But it, you know, it was, it's created and directed by Roman Plansky, who. If you don't know who Roman Polanski is, this is his 15th film, and he is was um, a really lauded director, and he was um, he pled guilty to raping a 13-year-old girl in 1977, and has kind of been like on the lam ever since then, and like can't step foot back in America or he'll be arrested. Um, so he, you know, he 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 raped a, a minor, um, and it's hard to contend. It's hard to marry this movie with this guy because i don't know 
Uh, and I, I found myself yesterday as I was rewatching it, trying to make like excuses, you know, like thinking, oh, well, you know, it's really a close adaptation of the book, which I've read, you know, like the book is the genius part. Like it's just this, anyone could have filmed this story and made it good, you know? And it's like, that's not fair either, you know, to divorce him from it in that way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I thought that too. I, I watched this for the first time, like a long time ago and I loved it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know anything about Roman Polanski at the time. So going back into it now, I was like, oh, maybe I'll like hate it because of Roman Polanski being a horrible person. But I still love the movie. So it's like, yeah, yeah it is hard. It's really hard. Because it's easy to like, it's easy for me to hit, like hate on Woody Allen's movies because yeah. his movies are uh, like really pretentious and just like he like the assholery of Woody Allen comes out in the movie. His movies kind of reflect his vision of women, his how his relationships with women are and kind of like these weird power dynamics of like old men with young women. Mm -hmm. Um and like you can just you can like kind of get his Woody Allen's whole thing by watching his movies. And this is the only Roman Polanski movie I've seen, so I don't think like yeah, either of us too. could talk at length about the rest of his work. But I mean, this is a movie where a woman does get raped, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I th- another thing that is really hard to contend with is this movie is so good at putting you in Rosemary's head, making you care for Rosemary and like her perspective, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And yeah, that is. It's just hard to it's just hard to view this movie on like all the levels it deserves to be viewed on almost. Yeah. It's yeah. hard as shit. And you know and like you think of all this other history that wraps into it, you know, like what we know about Mia Farrow and like how you know and then, Sharon Tate. And Sharon like, Tate, exactly. Um who Roman Plansky's wife who was killed by the Manson family, um, shortly after this movie was made. It's mm-hmm. it's just like this movie is dense. <laughs> like yeah. this is this is dense. Um, but I love it. It's a great movie. It's fucked. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It feels weird to say that. It is weird. It's like, there's no, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. Um, we're going to be like grappling with it forever. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's a really relevant kind of issue that as a culture we're we're going through right now, like, can you separate art from the artist? I'm thinking particularly of like all the R Kelly stuff in the news recently, Um, and you know, like this Michael Jackson documentary is about to come out that I've heard will make you unable to watch like, or listen to any Michael Jackson music after you see it. Cause it's just like so horrendous. Um, it's, I don't know. I don't have any right answers. I know that I think that it's like a really personal decision too. You know, like I, for instance, like don't want to watch any Woody Allen movies ever again. And I Mm -hmm. don't want to listen to R. Kelly and you know, I, I even have trouble like thinking of like Michael Fassbender, you know, like he, has a domestic abuse charge, you know, like I have trouble enjoying him in movies. It's just, mm-hmm. I think it's just like, it's, it's just up to you as the viewer, like what you can and cannot abide yeah. by. And it doesn't have yeah. to be a blanket sort of rule. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe because I haven't seen any more of Roman Polanski's work. It's like, I can sort of divorce him from the movie in my mind because mm-hmm. I don't, no, like I don't even know what he looks like. I've never wanted he's to not like, cute. look at him. Yeah. What? I said he's not cute. I Googled him uh, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe it's like, I don't know. Right. It's it, not to, that's, that's just a lame excuse, but 
I think that is probably part of it. I don't know. So, um, the film follows Rosemary Woodhouse as played by Mia Farrow. She's a young wife and she and her husband come across this amazing apartment. And in my notes to Mackenzie, I wrote in all caps, would you risk it all for that apartment? Like I, I don't know. (laughs) I remember watching this movie with my boyfriend once and I was like, Tim, like if you're plotting to use our baby for the devil, like you got to clue me in, you know, I will get on board, but you just have to like, let me know. It has to be consensual. Um, Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I would like to see that horror movie about a couple that is in it together. Um, yeah. Oh, that would be good. Like, yeah. So Guy, her husband, um, colludes with this um, sa- uh, satanic cult that lives in the building. It's actually the Dakota in New York. Um, and in exchange for Guy becoming a famous actor and having all of these things go his way, he basically signs up their firstborn child to um, be the son of the devil. And Rosemary is unaware of this plot. So the movie is from Rosemary's perspective where up until the end, her paranoia about the behavior of Guy and her, her uh, neighbors, the Cassavettes, could really be something that she's kind of imagining, you know, or like that um, it could be explained away, which I think is something the movie does like really effectively. Yeah. And like the second time you watch it, you are like... You definitely, I feel like, put the pieces together and you're like, oh my god. You kind of Mm -hmm. realize how since the very beginning, like, since the first time that guy goes to their apartment, like, they're, like, he's, like, wrapped into this plot against her. Yeah. Like, there's a shot, um, they go over there for dinner it's the first time they're meeting the neighbors, really, um, besides, like, just passing. Mm-hmm. And Guy doesn't really want to go, but Rosemary doesn't want to be rude. So they go over. They're having dinner. Guy and uh, – what's his name? Rome, his name is Roman. Uh, it, the, mm-hmm. the old man neighbor is named mm-hmm. Roman. Um, they go – while the women clean up, they're like smoking in the parlor or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, there's a shot of Rosemary looking over to the parlor and there's just smoke coming yeah. like sort of ominously through the doorway. And mm-hmm. she kind of wants to hurry up. She's like, oh, like I'll take a turn cleaning yeah. the dishes. And she, the wife is like, no, no. And yeah. she's purposely taking a long time because she wants to yeah. give her husband enough time Seal the deal. to put her hooks in it's a guy. Yeah. And I was just like, this is so fucked up. And it's so like, I feel like it's such, it, it like the men going off to smoke while the women do their own thing is such a thing that's like built into our culture where like houses were built where there were like two different rooms for after dinner mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's being used to like, for the, such an evil plot. I was like, dang. Yeah. And it's also kind of like, it reminded me of like the Jenny Holzer uh, uh, truism, which is like men don't protect you anymore. You know, like Rosemary to an outsider has like kind of reached this pinnacle of domestic life. She has a great, seemingly great husband, this beautiful apartment that they're like ecstatic to get. They're pregnant. And yet like even the people she assumes are like have her best interest in mind are exploiting her. Um, we, 
looked at this essay for the Criterion Collection by Ed Park about Rosemary's Baby, and he pointed out something um, that I thought was really interested, uh, interesting about the movie, which I had never caught before. First of all, he said that Rosemary's Baby located the real dread at the heart of its lunatic premise, that of a woman trapped within a prescribed role. Um, which I really liked, but he points out that yeah. when they get to the apartment for the first time, the like real estate agent or whatever asks guy, the husband, if he's a doctor and he says yes, instinctively before his wife chimes in with a correction. He's an actor. That moment of doctor actor confusion is Polanski's addition, a seemingly trivial exchange that in fact cuts to the heart of this unsettling entertainment. Once Rosemary is ensconced in the Branford, both doctors and actors will betray her, use her body, destroy her soul. Like that, I had never noticed that before, that guy lies like that. Mm-hmm. Guy sucks. Yeah. Guy sucks. Yes, he's horrible. And There's... isn't there like a song that's like by Bikini Kill or the Yeah, Yeah, yeah it's one of those <laughs> ones that's like John Cassavetti's an asshole really something like that yeah there's like a lyric that says that that's so funny i forget which song it is but i was like now i just assume that he's an asshole like in real life too yeah he's really really good in that role uh yeah he he sucks i don't know anything like about him in real life like he was a director um has like a sketchy history he kind of reminded me in, in that respect of like a like an analog to a contemporary actor would be like Ben Affleck, like a director actor mm-hmm. hybrid who kind of plays like mm-hmm. a smarmy asshole a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love, uh, Mia Farrow's performance in this movie. Uh, it's so unusual. And, uh, other than like a few Woody Allen movies, this is actually the only thing I've seen her in as well. Um, I don't think I've seen her in anything else. Yeah. So it's like almost hard to divorce her from this role, which was also like her, her breakthrough role. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says her best, role that she she had like this was the best one that she's ever done she, yeah she and says she and i mean she gets to do an incredible range of things um and i think this is one of those instances where someone could watch it and say like oh this is probably just mia farrow but like um there's like it, you really get a sense of like who rosemary is and um kind of like the fantasy that she's telling herself that comes unraveled uh have you listened to the uh you must remember this podcast episode about mia farrow I don't think so. It's really good. I highly recommend it. Um, it touches mm-hmm. a lot on the filming of Rosemary's Baby. She was married to Frank Sinatra when they started filming. And first of all, he was twice her age. He had daughters mm-hmm. her age. So she got married to him when she was like 18. And she oh would sleep God. do sleepovers with his daughters. Oh, my God. And so he was he wanted Rosemary. I mean, sorry. He wanted Mia Farrow to be in a movie he was in or like directing. And she was basically like, no, like I have to be in Rosemary's baby. Like I'm the star of this movie. I'm just a bit part in your movie. You know, like I, this is the better move for my career. Mm -hmm. And they ultimately kind of, they got divorced, like literally on the set of Rosemary's baby. And he also hated the pixie haircut. Like he hated it. The, the haircut was like, I mean, what a dick also. Yeah. And like, so typical people still do that. I feel like, um, and but i feel like she literally looks like she's dying and people are like ah oh, your haircut yeah. <laughs> you look so bad because you cut your hair and i know she it's like oh that's, like a the, skeleton. that's the reason yeah it's <sighs> funny um i feel like haircuts transforming a person is such like a feminine thing too you know um kind of like mm-hmm. the feminine power of hair you know that like mm-hmm. once you change yourself in that way you feel like you're you're different to to your core um, and I've never really thought about that, the movie before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this movie also like employs 
really artful and well done dream sequences, uh, which really capture like what it is like to have a fucking weird dream. And also, uh, every time that happened, I was like, is this Giallo? <laughs> every time there's like wind whispering and like yeah. a weird, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, 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 like ocean <laughs> shot, I'm like, oh wow, this is like so Fellini. Yes. Like the film asshole that I am. Yes, yes. Um, but I loved that. It was very like 60s, 70s. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. and the- it is so like, yeah, like you said, like it captures like what it's like for a real dream really well. And it's so unnerving too to see someone else in that. Also, I think like the very specific um, dread surrounding Rosemary's condition is being sick and not knowing what's wrong with you and like thinking that people are like colluding to make you more sick is um really fucked and you know it it seems this might seem like a silly connection to make you know but women like especially women of color are doubted so much in terms of their own health and their own bodies and not being like an expert on their bodies you know like serena williams who's like a wealthy famous black woman was like told by doctors after she had her kid that like she was didn't have hypertension or something crazy and she almost died you know um <sighs> so it's like the fear of being disbelieved is i guess and also something we'll touch upon with hereditary as well is like immense you know like just being frightened and not having people take you seriously yeah and in i mean in um the other article that we touch upon or we're going to talk about from Vanity Fair by Laura Jacobs. She says, two, two universal fears run through Rosemary's baby. The fear of pregnancy, particularly as it consumes personality, and the fear of a deformed offspring with all the attendant moral and emotional complications. I think this was her. Uh, and it, it's like, pregnancy is a scary thing. It's not just like this you know, like domestic bliss, like you said. It's a scary thing, and it's also like, filled with all these like moral questions too like i guess we could get like when is your body not your body you know i'm thinking now of like abortion rights um Mm -hmm. like when is when is your body not not your body or when do you not get to make decisions about your own body um yeah and in that that same article on vanity fair mm -hmm. she points out connection to get out by jordan peele you know just as get out is a film about race Rosemary's Baby, Peel has said, is a film about gender. It's about men making decisions about women's bodies behind their backs. Sorry, what were you about to say? <laughs> no, it's okay. I love that quote. Yeah. It's true. It's like, uh, it, it, it makes me so angry to think about that. But, I mean, it is, Rosemary is just treated so horribly by everyone around her. Um it, partway through the film so she's pregnant and she is it's a horrible pregnancy and like I said she looks like she's dying and she's in pain all the time and um which is it could be it touches upon like invisible illnesses also like Mm -hmm. I mean she definitely looks like she's in pain but everyone's just ignoring it and she finally like puts her foot down and wants to she's so isolated she's not going out no one's coming to visit except for her husband and her evil neighbors she doesn't (laughs) know are evil yet but she puts her foot down she invites all her young friends over yeah and this was like 
the most powerful part of the movie for me because she like guy is just dismissing everything that she says everything every time she's like i'm in so much pain everyone that her doctor everyone's like it'll get better tomorrow Mm -hmm. and she breaks down in front of her girlfriends and they all i cried yeah (laughs) they're all like she starts crying you know and i was yeah, and I was crying, and they're all just comforting her. They tell Guy to go away. They're like, you can't come in here. Yeah. They're all like, you need to get help. This is not right. I I was so emotional, and I was like, Rosemary, go I to know. your girlfriend. I know. Leave. I know. Oh, my God. I know. I love that. I love that part. Um, you know, Yeah, like, me too. Networks between women are very powerful, uh, and yeah, her being isolated is a big part of that. Um, oh, speaking of which, I have to bring this up. Um, the young doctor, Dr. Hill, who she sees at the beginning of the movie and towards the end, is the dad from Beethoven. I First saw of all, that he's hot. That. That's so weird. Second of all, I How would have recognized he... him anywhere. <laughs> uh, I remember like being the first time seeing this movie and being like, it's the dad from Beethoven. Um, yeah. And then I had to, and then I was I like, what is that guy's name? It. I don't even know. Yeah. What, it, Dr. Hill? Dr. Hill. I mean, I don't or, know the guy's name at IRL, but he's great in oh, Beethoven. Oh, IRL. What a good movie. I don't know either. But right. yeah, I saw that note. I was like, that's hilarious. I would have never known. <laughs> um, Ruth Gordon, who played, um, what's her name? Cassavet. Fudge. Minnie? Or, yeah. She, Minnie. Minnie Cassavet got an Oscar for this movie. And Oh, really? Yeah. She won an Academy Award for this. Uh, and she's Maude from Harold and Maude. Uh, oh, really? What? So, that real quick. I feel like that's wrong. Fuck me. No, I'm totally wrong. <laughs> I was like, dang, she was made really that, made up. Uh, I made it up. I'm going to find the, uh, the real actress's name. Anyway, Ruth Gordon is great in this. Love her very much. She's <laughs> terrific. Yeah. Oops, 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 oops. <laughs> also, this movie Wait. was made. What? Who is it? I haven't seen Harold and Maude, so. Talking oh, it's really good. I love that movie. Weird. Okay, but... it is Ruth Gordon. I was right. It is her? Yes, it's Ruth Gordon. Yes, it's the same actress. Fuck. Okay. It's the same actress? We don't know Wait. anything, actually. <laughs> yes, it's the same actress. Anyway, she's great I in this. I see a picture of her now. I remember uh, Mackenzie and I talking about once years ago that going as Ruth Gordon oh and God. Rosemary Woodhouse as a friend Halloween co- costume would be really fun. That would be so fun. Even I was thinking about that as I watched this. I was like, dang, we could do it. I've I can't believe that's her. Holy shit. So she, she looks just so different. different. Yeah, she does. I mean, oh she God. gets some great hair and makeup in this movie. Like she wears, I'm going to be like that when I'm old. I'm just going to wear blue like eyeshadow and just lean into crazy yeah. shit. Because why not? Like, uh, what's her name? You know who I'm talking about. The girl with the circle glasses. We saw the movie about her with Bethania. Oh, Iris Apfel. Iris Apfel. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Or I'm going to have really long hair and a braid and like not wear any makeup and just wear like big sweaters and garden. Either one. Dang. That's what I want. Or both because. Yeah. Mix it up. You can contain multiple. Why not? You don't need like a brand. Hell yeah. Uh, Rosemary also has some great looks in this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every outfit she wears is amazing. Yeah. I forgot. I like didn't remember how good her look was and how like bright 
she truly is like in the beginning of the movie and then to see her just deteriorate was so heartbreaking and then she kind of like gets back with it and then she's like yeah not not with so apparently according to like filmmaking lore uh roman polanski in the scene where rosemary runs out into traffic like really had mia farrow run into traffic and he told her That's beforehand, so he was up. like, no one will hit a pregnant woman. And it reminded oh me of uh, Quentin Tarantino, you know, like when he got yep. Uma Thurman into a car yep. accident. It's like, the, mm-hmm. people don't care about these actual women's bodies as well. Yeah. Not That's just so in the movies. Up. It is fucked up. And fuck both of those guys. I guess we haven't talked about, like, the actual rape scene. or. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Yeah, I th- feel like we should talk about it because hmm. it's really fucked up. And yeah. it is, like, uh, shot in the same way that you were talking before about, like, the dream sequences because mm. she is, like, drugged and thinks, like, oh, I'm dreaming. But then she, she did take all of the drugs. She didn't finish eating her mouse or moose. Yeah. Um, So she's lucid for part of it. And when she it, – it's so scary – that whole sequence is terrifying and her and it's all i think because of her perform i mean it's a terrifying act also but her performance is like really good and like when she is like screaming that like oh this is real it's not a dream it's really happening oh my god it's like a freaking knife to the heart yeah and here's a chilling thought i don't think it was illegal for a husband to rape their wife until like 19 the 1980 yeah it was so it you're right uh marital rape was legal so when she wakes up and guy is just like i did it while you were sleeping (laughs) because she wakes up and she has like like cuts all over her body and she's like, what happened? Because she was knocked out. And he was like, oh, it was like hot in a necrophilia kind of way. I didn't cut my nails, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is absolutely Fuck. disgusting. Yeah. And and she she is bothered by it, but... It, yeah. That is such a... Like, what a betrayal... It's right. just so heartbreaking. It is. And so the ending of the movie, Rosemary has Satan spawn. Um, uh, and she, you kind of get the sense that she has um, like made peace with the events of the film uh, because her drive to be a mother and to mother her baby, no matter what is so strong. Um, mm-hmm. and, yeah. And uh it's it's very sad, and I forget where I was going with that. Fuck, where were we just talking? Well, oh, yeah. I feel like so uh, a lot of this movie I like, but then the ending and yeah. the fact that being a mother is the driving factor behind Rosemary's motivations. I do have some issues with. Yeah, uh, like she's definitely like forced into. I he, she's like kind of like forced into. I I guess I could believe i i mean i don't feel the way that i don't know if i like want to be a mom so it's Mm -hmm. hard for me to sort of like put myself into those shoes but like she's just like tortured for basically a whole year and she just her like primal instinct to be a mom kind of like overwrites all of that and allows her to just like 
basically like join a cult the cult join the people that were like torturing her i don't know it's like very hard for me to believe and almost it definitely detracts from the film i think yeah and in a weird way it's like this twisted happy ending because rosemary is like able to mother the baby they're even kind of like vaulting her as you know like hey that's like what did they call the baby again i can't remember is it adrian adrian yeah and they're like hey like that's adrian's mom okay show some respect like put some respect on her name um i'm so sorry i said that (laughs) that it's uh like it's like kind of like faux empowerment you know like she's the mom of the devil so um show some respect yeah and it's it's like it's hard because it's like should i like i don't think that they're trying to be like oh this is like what people expect of women so it's fucked up like see how fucked up it is yeah because of this movie like i think it's just like I don't know. I feel like I'm getting too meta, but <laughs> it's it's a movie that I think the rewatch value is so strong. Um, I, yeah, I've, I've seen it many well, times. I, yeah, and the thing is, I can't believe that this was made the same year of Night of the Living Dead. Can't it's crazy? Like obviously it, for a way bigger budget than Night of the Living Dead too. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Of like, but okay. like this age this this has aged so well, and yeah. it's like. It really has. It still seems very contemporary. Rosemary and Guy still seem very contemporary. Um, and their, like, dialogue is very fresh-seeming still. Um, so I guess before we get into our final thoughts and rating, I'm going to read someone who did not like this movie. And for reasons you may not expect. Um, <laughs> this is a one-star <laughs> review on IMDb. This person says, I will summarize the movie for you. She has a jerk for a husband. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Her neighbors are weird. <laughs> Nothing happens. Nothing happens. She gets raped by the devil. Cool concept. Maybe it'll get good now. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. The neighbors want the baby. Husband is still a jerk. And the most anticlimactic ending I have ever seen. I will tell you what. You guys can keep your artsy-fartsy horror movies. In this time period, this movie is garbage. The real good old horror movies are still relevant today. Jaws and The Thing are still good today. Rosemary's Baby may have gotten our parents to sweat, but it puts me to sleep. Don't watch this movie unless you are over the age of 50. So that was insightful. I feel like a nine-year-old wrote that. Yeah. (laughs) Raped by the devil? Cool concept. Okay. Like, what an asshole. I also like this movie is hugely relevant today. Is the thing. (laughs) And like, better than, better than Jaws. I'll say it. I mean, I I love Jaws. Aged better than Jaws, I would say. <laughs> Mackenzie, what is what are Lately. your final? What, go on. Just kidding. Oh, <laughs> what are your final <laughs> thoughts and rating of Rosemary's Baby? So, I love this movie. It's it's really it hard. Sucks that the person who made it is an absolute like villain. Yeah, and, and a horrible person. Um. I'm going to rate it an eight because mm-hmm. I do, uh, I could talk, I could keep talking about it I, Yeah, and I could watch it again and again. Yeah. I, think, I like, yeah. What about you? I'm, I'm going to give it a nine. It's really hard. It's, it's really hard. I don't have a good answer for it. I love this movie. Yeah. He's a terrible bad man. Um, and you know, he's like, ugh. Like the things he said about the Me Too movement about he's it being a disgusting like a... person, and you know what? We haven't seen the rest of his movies, so for all we know, this is like a fluke 
and he's a shithole otherwise. He's probably <laughs> not, though, in, in terms of his filmography. I mean, I don't know. It's it's. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. And I feel like if I heard two guys having the same discussion, I'd be like, what the fuck do you know? You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, you're not allowed to say you like it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I don't know. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Well, the next movie we'll talk about is a little more cut and dry, and I think both of our feelings towards it. Uh, <laughs> do you want to intro it? So, yeah, we're talking about uh, Hereditary. Um, when Hereditary was released in spring of 2018, it blew audiences' minds and heads straight off. Hey! <laughs> Ari Aster's first feature film was lauded as a torturous family drama that delivered heaps of horror thrills. Hereditary follows artist Annie Graham in the aftermath of the death of her elderly mother, whose interests were uh, embroidery and devil worship. (laughs) Is Annie processing... (laughs) Same. Is Annie processing her trauma and grief in an unusual way, or is the demon Pyman working his influence over the Graham family? First of all, I'm sorry I laughed twice during you reading that when it was my own writing that I was laughing at. And it's not that funny even. <laughs> it's okay. I saw the word embroidery. I was like, oh. It's, it's me. Like a freak. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, Grandma Grandma Lee loved to embroider her friends some cute pillowcases. and uh, They were cute. Rugs. They were cute. She is, she's talented. Um, <laughs> so this movie came out recently. It was a lot of, uh, on a lot of people's best of 2018 list. I think it was on yours, Including right? mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I saw it in theaters and I think I texted you, Mackenzie, maybe when I saw it, but like, mm-hmm. I saw it, fuck, it was, it, I, it was so scary when I saw it. Um, mm-hmm. there's something that happens. I mean, I guess we'll spoil it. The car crash that happens mm-hmm. like a third of the way into the movie mm-hmm. to me touched upon, it was such a real life scary thing. Like none of the mm-hmm. demon stuff in this movie particularly stuck with me, mm-hmm. but the car crash where the kid um, Peter decapitates his sister Charlie in a car crash mm-hmm. was so realistic and terrible and unthinkable and spoke mm-hmm. directly to like an anxiety I have about accidentally mm-hmm. like hurting others or my family getting hurt like that, uh, mm-hmm. that it like made me dissociate for the next half hour of the movie, you know? And yeah. the time I watched, when I watched it this weekend for this podcast, I, Tim and I both had to mute it and like walk away for that scene. Yeah. Fuck. I, yeah, I definitely think that that is, like, why this movie is so affecting. Because it's so, I don't think you see that really in, it it was pretty unique in how horrifying it was. And I was trying to, like, walk through, like, what I would have done if that, if something like that had happened to me. And it's just really, it's so hard to imagine, but I, like, couldn't think of any other thing besides, like, just killing myself. Like, I don't know what. It was just, like. Right. It, it is. And it reminded me of, not to get super dark, but I read this article in The New Yorker last year about people who have accidentally killed other people. Like, mm-hmm. kids who run over a, a toddler on their trike or <sighs> drunk drivers or a girl who was texting and hit another car and mm-hmm. killed everyone. Like, how no one, there's really no... And, like, honestly, they are honest accidents. Like, obviously, drunk driving is reprehensible, but there are times when it is, like, an honest accident, especially when Mm -hmm. people are driving vehicles, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But it's, like, are they held accountable? There's no real support system for 
people who do things like this to other people, you know, that are mm-hmm. honest accidents. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, an interview with the director, Ari Aster in Vulture, where he says, when I was first writing this thing, I was thinking, what scares me? What frightens me? And all of my worst nightmares revolve around either me inadvertently harming somebody that's close to me and then me having to live with the guilt of that or somebody that I love changing in some way and either betraying me or leaving me dying. So I wanted to make a film that was like tapping into those fears and have no real remedy. I really don't understand what he's getting at with that second thing. Uh, Wait, what was the second? The second thing is uh, somebody I love changing in some way and then betraying me or leaving me dying. Don't really get that one. But the first one, I'm like, fuck yeah. That's why this, that's why this movie was um, such an effective horror movie. I think, I think in the beginning, like two thirds is because it's like the horror of this very real, terrible thing. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like even like that, uh, the, the initial like beheading is so shocking, but the next like 10 minutes where he's sort of like. Days. going through, not 10 minutes it's yeah. not that long going through the motions of just like going back to the house going to bed hearing his mom like scream i that's like almost just as bad as the actual like a- act of it happening because yeah. i just like couldn't I, I can't imagine like what that must have felt like when I was looking up reviews of this movie on IMDb, someone commented how unrealistic that was. He was like, when you decapitate your sister, you don't just drive home and leave the body. And I'm like, what do you know? Do you know this from experience, sir? <laughs> like, ugh, people are so stupid. Um, yeah. yeah. And lo- really great performance from the son, Peter, who's played by a naked brother band boy, uh, <laughs> Alex Wolf. Did you know that? Are you familiar with them? I didn't know it until you told me. And then I was like, oh, fuck, you're right. Yeah. I do remember them. Were they, like, um, on the Disney Channel? I think they were on the Disney Channel. I saw this movie with Tim and uh, two of his friends, and when we left the theater, I was like, that was a naked brother boy. And they all looked at me with, like, totally blank faces. And I was like, no. <laughs> the naked brother man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and Charlie... The Okay. So, upon my second time watching this movie, and this was something I kind of felt the first time watching it as well... The marketing for this movie, I think, really led me to think it was going to be a different type of film. The poster for this movie is a poster that has Tony Collette as Annie and Millie Shapiro as Charlie next to each mm-hmm. other, kind of like both looking straight on. And the mo- the trailers for this movie kind of had you believe that it was about like um, an intergenerational inheritance uh, mm-hmm. between Tony Collette's mother, Tony Collette, and her daughter. Like Which would, like, con- make more sense with the name of the movie. <laughs> Heredi- I, Hereditary honestly doesn't make that much sense as a name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get to the end of it. Um, and this movie, Peter is kind of Trojan horsed into it as the secret protagonist. You think mm-hmm. it's going to be a movie mo- mostly about Tony Collette. Tony Collette, ex- you know, exploring what it means to be the daughter of this kind of like sinister, secretive woman, and the mother of like a strange, do- a strange girl, and the strange girl's connection to her mother, and all of these different meaty, complex feelings about being a woman. And then mm-hmm. it fucking becomes about Peter, and you end the movie where it's Peter's perspective. Annie has been written off as kind of like a ghoul. She you know, mm-hmm. dies and is possessed or whatever. And we never mm-hmm. get to see Tony Collette's character kind of reach this like full circle of, or even like her understanding, like totally what was happening to her family. Yeah. 
Yeah. She doesn't, she never does find out really. She kind of just dies without knowing, I think. I mean, so when I first watched this movie, I, I do, I do like this movie, but upon the second rewatch, I was like eye rolling at some of the things that, um, happened like, uh, I don't know, like the, like the cutting off the pigeon head and some of the, that type of thing. I was like, oh, okay. Like I yeah. the like the mom breastfeeding, the like grandma breastfeeding mm-hmm. the Charlie. I was like, oh, like whatever, like rolling my eyes a little bit. But you know, when you said like, I do hate that Annie's written off and she's not really, uh, I think in one of the things that we ref- are taught, like, articles we read they say that her kind of plot was like a red herring yeah yeah and i i don't like that like i think she is owed more and is kind of let down yeah but i also do think that i did admire uh the peter performance and character more so than i probably would have in like like it was a very unique character i felt like because he is really vulnerable and like as a teenage boy i feel like you don't really see that a lot but he cries like a lot and like not just like like and it's not cute cry he's like ugly crying like weeping and like stuff like sobbing and i feel like that's very rare to see so i did admire that because he did seem you were able to see him be vulnerable and actually probably like act his age. Um, That's true. Which I, which I did like. And not to like make a counter argument to my own opinion. um, Mm -hmm. But I think there is uh, something you could argue is that Peter, Peter's perspective and Peter being like the ultimate secret protagonist of the movie is kind of like in a meta way, fitting the plot of the movie, which is that, the matriarch, the grandmother, Lee, wanted she, – she needed a male body to host the mm-hmm. demon payment. And she first tried her son, who committed suicide when mm-hmm. he was 16. And then she finally yeah. got the demon into Charlie, who is a daughter – I mean, the her daughter's daughter. But, like, payment wants a male host, so it ends up being Peter. Um, so I guess in mm-hmm. a weird sense, the perspective shift kind of is in keeping with the plot. But it still mm-hmm. just felt ultimately dissatisfying, or maybe I was just this, like this wasn't the movie I was sold or ultimately ex- expected. I think they could have had it both, and there just wasn't enough time. Like I feel like mm. they could have given, or they could they could have just written it differently. Like I feel like they should have just given Annie a better send off. Even if she died, she should have been. Like, I think that the scariest shot of the film for me is when she is possessed for the final time and you see her bot- her face just go blank. Yeah. And she's, like, gone for the rest of the movie. That's, like, the scariest part to me because at that point, you know, Peter's, like, truly alone and that, like, likely his mom is going to be trying to kill him. But yeah. I think that they could have Peter be keeping with the plot, mm-hmm. be vulnerable, that where they dropped the ball a little bit was having giving Annie the uh, ending that she deserved. Yeah, I, I totally agree because Tony Collette's performance is so amazing, and she gets mm-hmm. all of these like incredible 
dialogues with Peter, especially after uh, Charlie's death, you know, like the dinner scene where it feels yeah. so real and it feels like how parents and kids really actually fight, you know, like they're kind of like yeah. mean and, and like terrible to each other, especially with such big feelings. Um, mm-hmm. And I also feel like at the very beginning of the film, you're like, wow, it, this Tony Collette character is an artist. She's a mom, but she's kind of ambivalent both about being a mother and a, a daughter of her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see her art, which is she makes these miniatures, um, and she's a, a very successful artist. We, we're, you know, we can see. And there's, I almost wish that was explored too more. You know, like that she is an artist. That she is like um, in this. She's like a creative person. You know, too mm-hmm. much acclaim. Um, and I was wondering what you thought of her art, the miniatures. I saw Ari Aster, what he said about them. And I kind of mm-hmm. thought this was dissatisfying. Uh, yeah. Well, what, what he said was the models serve as something of a metaphor for the family situation. They ultimately have no agency and they're revealed to be like dolls in a dollhouse being manipulated by outside forces. Um, which like I get because the cult is basically planning out their whole lives and they can't really stop it. Um, but when I, so I, I guess in the context of comparing this to Rosemary's baby, it, it could like say something about almost like domesticity mm-hmm. and uh, it almost feels like the apartment complex in uh, Rosemary's baby is like a dollhouse. Sort yeah, of. certainly. The, the, like this, they, to me, I was like connecting the first like establishing shots of the movies, and I mean because I was trying to draw a connection, it did. They did seem similar to me just because of like I said the the shots of the uh, they just both seemed like dollhouses, like that huge like in Rosemary's Baby, it pans across all of New York City and then uh, ends on the uh, Bramford apartments yeah and in uh hereditary there's like a slow uh pan from the treehouse outside of their house uh across a room and into one of the miniature houses into the house which becomes like the actual house mm-hmm. <laughs> um but it just rem- it just made me it like honed in on like the isolation almost of the characters, even though it's like they're surrounded by people, the people have ill and like they are just like filled with malice toward them. So uh, they don't have any like allies. I guess that's what I sort of got from, at least from that, like establishing shots. Mm-hmm. Cause like it's this, it's at it's at once this place where it's supposed to be a home and supposed to be a place where you can be safe, but it's really like unnerving at the same time. I don't know. And it's also like this traditionally feminine sphere, sphere, you know, like for better or for worse, mm-hmm. um, the home, mm-hmm. and right um, that Rosemary is so interested in making a home and mm-hmm. providing like a space for her domestic life and her new child. Whereas Annie Mm -hmm. is like physically making like miniature homes, you know, and miniature models of people's lives is an interesting connection. Um, Mm -hmm. I also thought another interesting connection was that old people love the devil and will show up (laughs) naked for the devil if you ask them. Yeah. Uh, What's up with that? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's just something you grow into and we should check back in like 
you know, 50 years or whatever <laughs> to see how into the devil we are. Yeah. Um, the, the like endings, the ending of this movie of Hereditary is very similar to like rape, the rape scene, I feel like. Of yeah. Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. The ending is like such a, it's so bold, uh, you know, like the whole family dies. Uh, it's mm. difficult to kind of understand if Charlie is payment, you know? Mm-hmm. If the little girl at all yeah. is the devil. You don't know. You don't really know if she's actually payment. Or if she was the You host know that or, she. Know. You, you do know, I think, that she is. Uh, like, she is in the body of Peter. I feel like that's pretty, like. I confirmed. wish they had made him go, like, at the end of the movie. I, when I watched she it for the second. He does at the very end? Not at the very end, but when he's first possessed. Oh, like okay. It, when right, he stands right. up after jumping right. out the window, right. he goes, he does Which the is thing. like her, her thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so creepy. Oh, I, tried, I was doing it after we watched it the movie It is very creepy. Night, and Ian was like, stop. <laughs> did Ian like it? Uh, yeah, I think he did like it. Yeah. I, both of us didn't think it was as scary as like, we we were like prepared to fully be like, fucked up and have our like days destroyed and like be scarred for like a month at least Mm -hmm. because everyone was like freaking out about it and so i think that it's like paddington too (laughs) it's like it's like what i i didn't paddington too it's just like didn't live up to the (laughs) exactly exactly very similar came out the same year um we haven't (laughs) talked about the husband character who's played by gabrielle uh, Gabriel, him. oops, Gabriel Byrne, who is in Little Women, um, one of my favorite movies. But uh, mm. he plays the husband and father in this movie, and he is the worst case of something I'm going to call disbelieving horror movie spouse. Uh, who, mm. okay, so let's say nothing supernatural is actually happening in this movie, and mm. your wife lost her mother, and then her daughter was, your daughter was horribly decapitated mm. and killed guess what she is allowed to have go through all of these things that she goes through in this movie yeah obviously his daughter also died but i feel like he's such a dick to her about how she's handling things you know yeah he's like he's a total dick and it's he's not even like it's a bad performance too like i just hate him (laughs) yeah i think he's supposed to be a therapist no yes i think he is he's supposed to be like a psychologist or something i pictured him as like an architect I think he's supposed to be a psychologist, but he's such, he's so like, he's just like not lenient towards her at all. And I guess that's kind of truthful because apparently like after the death of a child, couples never stay together. But like, dude, she is going through some traumatic shit. Yeah. And so is Peter. Like they should all be in therapy. That he is not, put them all into therapy is crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, He burns to death. Yeah. <laughs> it was sad when she was like, you're the love of my life. And you're like, oh, this guy's going to burn to death because we saw it in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, yeah. So. Uh, I also. Else? Oh, speaking, yeah. I guess. I just. It. It. Uh, it was. It sort of reminded me of the witch, too. Mm. Like, I can see that. In, just like the way that the family sort of turns on each other, I guess. And like the kind of ma like I shouldn't say the word malice again, I already used it, but the malice within the family. 
Yeah. And some of the like uh like sound mixing and like uh score Definitely. and and even some of the like shots like the setting it it's like I could feel like if the witch was made in modern times it would have been set in a similar house and sure. a similar landscape Definitely. almost because they are like it's a ha- a beautiful house in the middle of the woods so i guess just being in the middle of the woods but there's there are these shots of the house in the woods where it's like ian said it was a tilt shift I yep guess, oh, i know what that means it makes i don't i didn't know i it used makes to the house edit look my tiny. photos on Flickr to look like that oh really yeah where it makes things look like a model yeah yeah i was like oh wow you. like the miniatures yeah <laughs> anyway and so i guess we'll end with this like final quote from ari aster where he said this film is essentially about a long-lived possession ritual that is seen from the perspectives of the sacrificial lambs um so like basically the whole family was like kind of sacrificed to fulfill this um King, King payments uh King payments groupie groupies desires uh <laughs> They should have named it something different. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess I kind of wanted to talk about like the like think like thinking about blame and motherhood mm-hmm. because when uh, Annie goes originally to the grief support group mm-hmm. in the beginning of the film to talk about this is before Charlie has died to talk about her mother dying. She's talking about this like complicated relationship with her mom and she's she just sounds really pained and is just saying like I feel blamed or not that I feel blamed that I am blamed. Yeah. And I was like it it made me think of what we said about Ginger Snaps um uh, the mom there where she was like it's all my fault yeah you've like people just blame me whatever like and i was like dang like in this case i think she was talking about blame from almost like her mother um so it's like i don't know i and then of course blame comes into play again when she's having the dinner conversation or fight with peter and they're kind of tossing the idea of blame back and forth when she says, like, what, like... He's like, you invited her to the party, you know? And, exactly. Yeah. Um, and in those moments, she almost did seem like a child, almost. Like, she was not... I don't know. It's a really good performance from yeah. Tony Collette. Uh, she's so great. I tweeted from our account, someone said very wisely on twitter that tony collette is like if shelly duvall realized she could kill uh <laughs> what's his name Fuck. jack nicholson no who no. oh jack. i can't think of his name it's so embarrassing <laughs> very famous 2001 the shining director fucking oh stanley kubrick stanley kubrick <laughs> oh, god <laughs> we don't know anything um <laughs> ruth gordon uh yeah it is it is interesting Especially when you think about blame in the context that if Ari Aster is saying this whole family is like pawns that they don't realize, like they don't have agency. And, yeah. you know, it does seem, I don't know if they explain this ever, but it does seem like a pretty great coincidence that Charlie is decapitated in a freak accident for the cult. No, they, that's, uh, that's planned. 
The <gasps> pole has their like magic symbol carved into it. Oh, okay. Oh, fuck. Okay. It's all I did not catch that. <laughs> yeah. It would be a yes. very weird. So, um, yeah. So that, you know, they just kind of have these pawns. So it's like, it's like exactly like lambs arguing about like who gets slaughtered first. Um, I don't know. Um, I guess I'll, I'll if you, unless you have anything else you want to say, final thoughts, jump into. They all fucking slept with their doors wide open. I Weird. just had a problem with that. Weird. Who does that? Yeah, close your doors. They I started, started, They were asking for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just kidding. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Um, second time around, I was a little less wowed. I guess because it's so hyped. You know, people really loved this movie yeah. that I just I can't help but be kind of deflated about it and see these obvious things that I wish had happened. It does seem like someone's first feature film. It is Ari Aster's first film, and I'm sure he'll go on to do um other great movies but yeah i don't know i'm gonna give it a six okay yeah i don't Um, think i don't ever want to watch it again either i'm done yeah 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 i um i'll also give it a six um i think that like i said it doesn't hold up to me the second time around really I think if I had seen it in theaters, I w- even just the first time, I would have liked it maybe a little bit more. But, um, yeah, second watch makes me, like, question a bunch of stuff. And I'm also like, would it be as good if it was shot in a different place? Or if um, the, the score wasn't as good? Like, I was just like, mm, you know, like, I think, yeah. I don't think like the actual filmmaking is that uh, is anything really special. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, here we are talking about Rosemary's Baby forty years after the fact, Um, fifty years, yeah, almost like you know, fifty years after the fact. That if Mm -hmm. this movie will have any sort of um, significance that far down the road, yeah, Uh, we'll still be doing the podcast. You know, fifty years (laughs) from now, so you'll have to check in with us and see. Uh, well except by then we'll be like directly implanted into your brain yep or something crazy <laughs> exactly um well thank you guys for listening it would really help thank us out you. if you left us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts you can follow us on instagram and twitter at chick flicks pod and email us at chick flicks podcast at gmail.com oh and we have to shout out the other yes. bridget thank you so much for <laughs> listening i am the real bridget <laughs> just kidding <laughs> Uh, Mackenzie's childhood friend Bridget listened to our show and sent us a really lovely email. Um, yeah, so in our episode about grabbers, we talked about Irish names, and she, I mentioned her because she has a really Irish name. So do I. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm not, it's yeah. not a competition. You're right. <laughs> I just I, love all Bridgets. So, solidarity for other Bridgets. Uh, <laughs> please tweet at us if your name is Bridget. Um, you'll get it <laughs> but she she's also our first email so she she sent us such a sweet email we actually do have listeners out there it'll be hard um, to beat yeah it really will good the luck second, email second emailer be, yeah <laughs> that's got it's got to be up there yeah <laughs> a lot to it's a high bar she said so yeah. thank you bridget sweeney thank you bridget other bridget um, our next episode will air on february 4th and we're very excited we're going to talk about the descent and 2018 another 2018 movie annihilation 
Chick-Flix is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Creep Carlson for our music. Thanks for listening to chick <laughs> Thank you. He's a hard last name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <to say>. uh, <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye. Bye, Mackenzie. <laughs>